Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and the Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of death, Neil Garfield. Happy New Year to everyone. Mental note Happy to myself. Change. <laughs> this is Neil Garfield and Bill Padalo. Charles Marshall had an emergency and won't be with us tonight, but I think we're on for uh, a week from now doing the same thing and trying out the same format, mock trials. And mental note to myself and to all of you, uh, I'll be changing the name of the show, blog, and the commercial site to Lending Eyes, as in the things you see with, um, and uh, won't change much for you, except you should be aware of the fact that the Lending Lies uh, uh, brand name is is going extinct. So uh, that portal of Lending Eyes, which will connect all the sites, uh, will launch in a few days, probably early next week. Today is Thursday, January 6, 2022. We're broadcasting live from one end of the country to the other. I'm in Duval County, Florida. Bill, where are you? I am up in beautiful Glacier National Park in Montana. Great place to be, I think, except, well, maybe this time of year may not, may not be so great. <laughs> I'd trade so, with you every now and then, uh, Neil, for a little sun. I know. We've been having some abnormal weather here, mostly in the 80s until a couple of days ago. So as you all know, we're continually working on ways to improve our educational efforts for homeowners, lawyers, and law enforcement. Tonight, we are starting an experiment where we take some basic information about a case, give you what the lawyer for the foreclosure mill will probably say, or has said, and then give you what the defense lawyer uh, should be saying. And then we'll call Bill, Bill Padalo, who is a licensed private investigator and expert witness on the facts behind claims of securitization and is known nationally for his work, his successful work. We'll, uh, but Bill will first play the role of, a, of the robo-witness who appears out of the blue usually as a contract worker, supposedly paid by a company that's been claimed to be a servicer. I will play combined roles to give you a flavor of what the foreclosure mill lawyer would ask of the witness and what the objections might be from the defense lawyer 
on how the judge might rule. Um, when Charles is with us next week, because he has an emergency tonight, um, he will take the uh, the role of the foreclosure mill lawyer. Then Bill will <laughs> appear as again, but this time as the forensic expert, and he will again be questioned as if he were a different witness. Then I'll state how I think the judge would rule, sticking with the procedural status of the case as it now stands in state court and bankruptcy court. We have a, a live guinea pig homeowner who will get to ask questions as long as we don't run over our 45-minute allotment. So um, let me make sure that I have our guinea pig on the line here. Um, I hate you just say, okay. Just a minute. Screw up on my part. I'll get over that. All right. And Kira, are you on the line? And are you unmuted? Well, of course she's not unmuted because I didn't unmute her. That's what happens when you get a lawyer taking care of technology. All right, Kira, are you on the line now? Yes, I am. Hello. Okay. All right. So you you heard the introduction? Yes, I did. Okay, good. All right. So let me start off with uh, a summary uh, of the uh, case as presented to us, and then we will go straight into the mock trial. Uh, we're not going to use last names or identifying characteristics of any homeowners that do this, and this is for general information purposes only, and it is not a substitute for advice from local licensed trial counsel. Um, so we have property in Hawaii uh, in which the owners of the property have been served with a notice of sale. And as usual, the owners are having trouble getting an attorney. And this property has gone through the usual laundry of multiple servicers and was foreclosed. The original lender was Washington Mutual. It was foreclosed under the name of U.S. Bank um, 
as trustee for a supposed trust. So that basically gives you the um, uh, the overview. The case, part of the case, is in bankruptcy court. Um, and there are some things that might uh, be said at the end of this, but we're going to deal with what's going on in state court where there is the, the current status is that there is a notice of sale. Notice of sale meaning that there is uh, uh, a, a notice has been served on the owner of the property saying that their property is going to be sold and presumably the bid is going to come from U.S. Bank as supposed trustee of an alleged trust um, and then liquidated as REO property to a, uh, again, supposed a third-party uh, purchaser for value. So, um, in this case, um, I'm going to reverse things, come to think of it, uh, from the introduction. Um, I'm going to imagine that there is a case brought in federal or civil court asking to enjoin the sale on the basis of information recently obtained that the foreclosure judgment, Hawaii being a judicial state, um, although it has non-judicial statutes, um, that the foreclosure judgment was procured by fraud. And the allegations of the uh, complaint uh, are going to be um, or, or the yeah it would be a, a separate petition uh, and complaint are going to be that uh, U.S. Bank never had any never claimed any right title or interest these people misrepresented the use of U.S. Bank's name and that they obtained the foreclosure in pursuit of, of profit and not to the benefit of any successor lender or creditor who was maintaining a loan account. And we are going to be met with a motion to dismiss that petition, basically asserting raised judicata. So now I'm going to argue the part of the uh, foreclosure mill lawyer who's going to say, Your Honor, this was a standard foreclosure. That's the line they always use. Um, and um, the, um, the parties who were, who were title owners and who shortly won't be, uh, were served properly. Judgment was entered. It's recorded. And 
part of the judgment authorized the notice of sale, and that's what we did. And the law supports our uh, right to sell the property in satisfaction of the note and mortgage that were executed in connection with the original transaction uh, uh, concerning this property. And the our response uh, on the defense side is going to be, Your Honor, the issues we're bringing up now relating to the tie-in between securitization and this uh, particular transaction and the fact that there is no loan account uh, owned by any of these parties, there is no loan account managed by any of these parties. Um, that's what we've alleged, and that's what we believe we can now prove through discovery and our own information from our own experts. So, assuming the judge rules that the petition won't be dismissed, but the preliminary injunction and the preliminary injunction will be issued, we now end up in court at a an evidentiary hearing. I'm skipping a motion for summary judgment. Um, and um, the uh, uh, since it's the homeowner who filed the petition, the first witness is actually uh, called by the homeowner, whereas in judicial states it's normally called by the foreclosure mill. So I'm going to play the part of the uh, lawyer representing the homeowners and call uh, William P uh, Padillo to the stand. And uh, do you swear to tell the truth? And I do. The truth? All right. <laughs> I do. Excellent. So, realizing that we have grossly oversimplified and summarized this this case, U.S. Bank, you you you've reviewed this case. I have. And U.S. Bank was named as the plaintiff that was foreclosing on the property? Yes, U.S. Bank is trustee of XYZ Pass-Through Certificate Series 2007-1 Trust. Okay. Have you performed examination and analysis of that trust and the history behind it 
in connection with this case or any other cases involving foreclosure in that name? Yes, as one of my customary practices, I'll take uh, the name of the current plaintiff in this situation and begin my investigation in many fronts to determine its um, existence and the parties who have authority to act on its behalf. All right. And how did you go about that investigation? Well, the first thing I do is I look at the name of the trust, the plaintiff trust, and its alleged address that usually appears on an assignment of the mortgage. Um, in this case, it's also the named plaintiff in this action. So I reviewed the complaint and the servicers' uh, certifications, affidavits in regards to um, how they claim to be acting on behalf of this particular trust. And the first thing I do or I seek to, to find out is, uh, what kind of a trust is this? Where is it registered? Is there an actual trust agreement or a governing document to show that um, it exists and where it exists? And then I look for <clears throat> those um, items to determine uh, whether or not the trust is actually um, real or not. So in this particular All right, case... Let me, tr yep. let me stop you there and ask you whether or not in your investigation you looked for a trust agreement. I, I searched for one in this case, and um, one could not be located, and we made a request in discovery for the particular documents uh, regarding this particular trust uh, to which they were never produced, um, even upon motion to compel in order to produce no trust agreement has yet to be produced in this matter. As a private investigator with how many years experience? I've been doing this for in my 11th year now. By this you mean examining uh, remit trusts and securitization schemes? That's correct. And you were previously a private investigator as well? Uh, well, I've been a private investigator in my 11th year doing this um, chain of title securitization, this kind of specialty uh, in foreclosure okay. proceedings primarily. Okay. What did you conclude about the existence, the factual existence of a trust by the name that was used in the foreclosure? Well, my conclusion is that by the continued refusal to produce uh, the governing instruments and the trust agreements uh, in order for me to verify its authenticity, that refusal, even upon a motion to compel and an order to compel, only can lead me to conclude that this information doesn't exist and that the trust is not real. Would it be correct to say that uh, with a reasonable uh, degree or actually with the greatest degree of confidence that the uh, there is insufficient evidence to establish the existence of the trust? Uh, 
Absolutely. Uh, more than just insufficient evidence, the authorities of the servicer who claim to be acting as its agent um, also have produced no power of attorney document uh, showing just how they have the authority to act on behalf of this trust that we cannot, I cannot confirm exists. So you have, you are, despite looking, and as a private investigator, you have the tools to look everywhere, right? Well, I, yes, I have the tools to search as far as I can. There's certain documents that clearly are in the custody and control of the parties uh, who seek the judgment, the servicers uh, in this particular case who appear in court. Um, that is why we right. do formal discovery so, to, to request these documents. But you found no registration of a trust that we've named here in this action anywhere in any jurisdiction, in any U.S. jurisdiction. Yeah, that is correct. And the power of attorney document that has been produced is problematic because um, it names parties and ancillary agree agreements to which it's subject to that also have never been produced. Um, and so that's, that's another uh, issue that they have is that the power of attorney that has been produced uh, not only fails to um, name the particular trust as the plaintiff here, but the authority derived from that document, according to the opposition, um, states that that authority is derived from uh, multiple um, other agreements that have not been produced as well. So therefore, the production of the power of attorney was incomplete. Correct. All right, let's assume that the trust does exist and you just couldn't find it, okay? Okay. Um, what evidence do you have from any source, and I assume that you made the inquiries and examination and analysis, that the trust if it did exist, owned any right, title, or interest to the homeowner's underlying obligation, legal debt, note, or mortgage? Well, there is a 2007 series trust, uh, least by name, and there has been no evidence produced by the servicer in their affidavits and certifications showing just how they came into possession or how the, the trust in this case came into possession of the note so and the mortgage. So what we have is a 2007 originated mortgage and note with the name of Washington Mutual Bank as the originator lender on the name of the document. Washington Mutual failed and went into FDIC receivership on September 25th of 2008. Um, and <clears throat> there is a uh, evidence that this particular note has an endorsement on it of a Washington Mutual employee 
who testified, and I've produced the uh, certified deposition transcript that she left employment of Washington Mutual in November of 06. So there's an issue as to how her endorsement wound up on this particular note in 2007. But more importantly, we also have a situation where another version of the note was produced in a bankruptcy proceeding claiming to be the original copy of the original when it had no endorsement in 2012. So how um, the circumstances of how that endorsement uh, suddenly appeared on the note um, needs to be explained because on the surface this appears that it's indicative of fraud if uh, this party's endorsement was put upon that note uh, long after the receivership and long after the bankruptcy filing in 2012. So without putting a legal conclusion on it, what were you able to find about the ownership of the underlying obligation, the legal debt, the note, the mortgage? I was unable to find anything in terms of account receivable for this particular trust. We've asked for that in discovery. This is one of the items that has never been produced, that was compelled to be produced and it's not been produced. Um, all that has been produced is a uh, payment history, essentially um, a, a printout of what the servicer is claiming was the payment history coming from the borrower. But there's been no receipts of any sort um, showing that payments were made to or from the trust in negotiating this particular note. Okay. So now we're going to switch, and I'm going to play the part of the foreclosure mill lawyer, and Bill's going to be the robo-witness for, uh, uh, for the opposition. Um, Mr. Padalo, you are employed by... Uh, SN Servicing Corp? Correct. I'm a contract coordinator with SN. What is a contract coordinator? I just specialize in foreclosure-related matters where I'm hired to come and testify in proceedings such as this. What do you do besides testifying? This is all I do. Okay. Are you familiar with the business practices and policies of the of, of SN Service and Corp? Yes, I am. And have you do you uh, do you recognize this document, which is a payment history? Yes, I do. And is this payment history a record of SN Servicing Corp? Yes, this is a record maintained in the regular course of business for SN.
And with respect to the underlying, with respect to the account balance, how much was it on the date that the foreclosure judgment was rendered? According to our servicing records, the amount was approximately $642,000 plus interest accruing at the point of which uh, the default occurred on uh, X date in 2014 uh, with an interest accruing at 6.8% from that time. And have you looked at the judgment that was entered? I have. And did it correctly name the uh, U.S. Bank as trustee for the uh, trust that we've named here? It did, yes. And did it enter judgment stating that the amount that you just testified to was the amount due? Yes. Having reviewed both the records of SN Servicing Corp and the court record and the judgment of the court, do you see any inconsistency? No, I do not. Fine. Now we're going to switch back. Only Bill's going to stay as the robo-witness, and I'm now the attorney for the homeowner, and I'm going to cross-examine Bill. Mr. Paddle, you said you were familiar with the policies and practices of SN Servicing Corp. Is that correct? That's correct. What do you mean by familiar? Well, I'm trained on using the computer systems um, at our offices where I can log in and review the loan data and the files um, as they're requested or needed for these types of proceedings. Okay, so do you work at the offices of SN Servicing Corp or do you work from home? I predominantly travel a lot and work um, while I travel, but I maintain a laptop, but I do go into um, an office in Texas uh, periodically. And what do you do there? Um, I just meet with my supervisors and look over my uh, case uh, calendar of what I'll be doing, having in the quarter coming up, and um, and then I usually leave and begin my travels to where I'm needed for depositions or trials. Who tells you what your case calendar is? I have a supervisor manager that assigns um, cases to me, a lot of the ones that are 
more complex are the ones that I usually assign to. And how do you find out that you are assigned to that case? I have a supervisor that um, handles the delegations of the cases to um, How does he communicate that? How does he or she communicate your assignment? I'm usually communicated via email. I'm where I'm uh, told about pending trials and what my availability was, and then um, then I check in with the law firm that was assigned to handle the foreclosure matter, whom I communicate from that point forward with. Are you an expert in information technology? No, I'm not. So how do you know that these emails or other screenshots or whatever you're looking at came from SN Servicing Corp or your supervisor? Well, that's we have a, a database or a um, server system with our own corporate uh, email addresses um, that we operate under, and so I under I know who my bosses are. Uh, most of the time, I've met most of them, and I get emails from them directly. Have you ever seen the server that handles the email? Not that I recall. Do you know where it is? No, I couldn't answer that. Do you know who maintains it? I do not. Now, with respect to the payment history, do you know where that came from? That is a part of our servicing records. Um, that's all kept uh, in the normal course of business, and I have access to that information once uh, the loans are transferred to us through our what's called our boarding process. Right, right. <clears throat> Before we get to the boarding process, let me ask you whether SN, whether you know of your own personal knowledge that SN Servicing Corp actually handles receipt of payments from homeowners and specifically these homeowners. Well, we're the we're the servicing agent, so we collect the payments uh, and handle the money um, on these. Transactions Sir, I didn't ask when you that. I asked you if you have personal knowledge, that is, you've seen the handling of checks or the entry of data for electronically transferred funds. If you have seen that done by an employee of SN Servicing Corp. I don't handle that. I'm not aware of it. I believe that's handled by our uh, – there's an accounting department somewhere that handles that. Why do you believe this? Well, that's uh, uh, what we do as servicers. Um, that, that When the money comes in, it's we handle it and forward it to investors and – handle the funds uh, dealing coming in from the homeowners. That's what servicers do. So, so then SN Servicing Corp, you think, 
receives that money and then disperses it to some creditor? I believe so, yes. Why do you believe so? Well, again, I think I answered the question. That's what servicers do. We handle the money and forward it to the investors on their behalf. Okay. So where is the loan account that shows all the receipts and all the disbursements for this account? That's been provided as an exhibit to the affidavit of the judgment where the payment history from the inception was provided showing uh, the, the payments that came in and when the default occurred. But that doesn't show disbursements to creditors, does it? No, it doesn't. So if SNS Servicing Corp. is not showing any disbursements to creditors, and you believe that they are collecting it, where does that money go? Do you know of your own personal knowledge where that money goes? Well, that's not one of my responsibilities. Um, I don't, well, the answer is no, Mr. Don't, Patel. You don't know, correct. do you? No, I don't. And if you don't know that there are disbursements, there might not be any. Isn't that true, Mr. Patel? Well, I'm not sure where you're going with this. Uh, the homeowner was in default. He didn't make his payments, and we were having the authority to it. You have no information about any disbursement to any creditor, correct? Correct. Okay. So one of two things is possible. Correct me if I'm wrong. Either SNS Servicing Corp. did not receive any money from these uh, homeowners, or it's giving the money to an unknown party. Well, the party has been in default and was in default and hasn't made payments at the time that we received this uh, well, servicing transfer. I understand transfer. that's your position. But my question is whether SNS Servicing Corp. is actually performing the functions of a servicer in connection with receipts and disbursements That's the context. So my question is, do you have a copy of the loan account receivable maintained on behalf of U.S. Bank? No, I don't. Do you know who does? I don't know anybody offhand. Have you ever spoken with anyone from U.S. Bank? No. All right. We'll conclude on that because I want to give a couple of minutes to our guinea pig to ask questions. But the decision of the court, going along with other cases that I've had, would be that 
it, it, it would be a narrow choice because on the plus side, uh, we've proven that they really had no basis of knowing whether or not they uh, uh, they were enforcing a debt or if they were just foreclosing. And on, on the minus side, the judgment has been entered and it's cloaked with a presumption of uh, being valid. So the judge might set aside the uh, uh, might enter the injunction, set aside the judgment, and rehear the case so that the opposing side has an opportunity to present the loan account, which of course they wouldn't be able to, which is when the case is settled under seal of confidentiality. So with that, uh, Kira, Yes. Questions? Actually, I this was a lot for me. <laughs> um, I I'm not sure right now. I'm processing everything that I listened to. Um, <clears throat> I know I need to file uh, something to the judgment. Um, so. Um, yeah, let me say that this needs to be coordinated with whatever is happening in bankruptcy court with the bankruptcy right. attorney so that right. the, the, the petition that you file might better be filed either as an adversary in the bankruptcy case or as a collateral action with either the federal district judge or it could be a collateral action in state court. That is what, that's why you need local counsel, because local counsel will be able right. to tell you, I know this judge, I know this uh, judge's assistant, and so forth. Uh, mm -hmm. I think, you know, we're better off over here or we're better off over there. So right. what, uh, what you want to do is get better prepared. And, right. uh, and have a summary uh, prepared for you uh, by either somebody local or one of us geniuses um, that's like a quick one-page or at most two-page summary that any lawyer or any judge could see and say, ah, there's a point here. That's what you're looking yes. for is that turn of the head because they're all going to start, and you mm -hmm. have to remember that. They're all going to start with the same thing. The homeowners are deadbeat. This is a legitimate claim, and the homeowner is trying to escape through a technicality. I'm telling you that if you proceed, even if you don't believe it, under the assumption that there is no loan account and you don't owe it, I'm telling you that when that's done by people representing homeowners, they win 65% of the time, which sounds crazy, 
Uh, when it's done by me, frankly, it's more like 80% of the time. Not saying I win every case, but I have won by far most of them in, in hundreds and hundreds of cases uh, where I've either been lead counsel or uh, uh, lead uh, legal consultant. With that, we're running out of time. Thank you, Bill, for being a good sport. Thank you, Kira, for being a good sport. And thank you all. Thank you. Happy New Year. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.